Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the one, the only Sean Sports Stop podcast where your boy talks about the biggest news in sports and gives his unique, captivating, scintillating opinion on everything going on. There's a good amount of stuff to talk about. As always, this podcast episode is sponsored by Crimson IT. If you or someone you know has a smaller, medium-sized company that needs managed IT services, head over to crimsonit.com and tell them that you found them from the Sean Sports Hub podcast, and they'll give you a fat discount on whatever it is you're looking for. With all that being said, uh, I just want to tell you guys, it's been a while since I did an episode, January 31st to be exact. It's currently February 22nd, so almost a whole month. Obviously, Super Bowl 56, the Rams beating the Bengals by three. Let's take a look at that matchup to start off this episode. The Rams winning it 23-20 to to win a Super Bowl. Uh, as a diehard Rams fan, I felt every possible emotion you could feel in this game. Uh, similarly to pretty much every playoff game the Rams had this year, the game against the Buccaneers on the road where it looked like the Rams were going to blow a 20-plus point lead to Tom Brady. Uh, that game was filled with so many emotions. I mean, I was ready to, ready to um, give my name a suicide watch watching that game, watching Brady come back. The 49ers game obviously being down 10 points heading into the fourth quarter and finally beating them um, in a revenge game, you know, losing six in a row to make it back to the Super Bowl and then slowing down. I wouldn't say stopping because I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals will be. I'm not going to say they're going to make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl next year. But I think they will be a perennial uh, playoff contender, possible Super Bowl contender, you know, consistently. Definitely a consistent, a perennial playoff team as long as Joe Burrow is the quarterback. And they recognize the fact that they have to address the offensive line. I mean, giving up seven sacks to the Rams in the Super Bowl. Yes, they gave up nine against the Titans in the divisional round. But the Titans' offense is not comparable to the Rams' offense. Even with Derrick Henry being back, you know, Ryan Tannehill absolutely sold that game for the Titans. And yes, Matthew Stafford did throw two interceptions in the Super Bowl. But, you know, sometimes stats are a little bit misleading. And I'll tell you guys why. The first interception, it was a third and long, third and 14, I believe. Stafford airs it out. So if they didn't get 14 yards and didn't get a first down on that play. Let's say it was an incomplete pass and it was fourth and 14. The Rams would have 100% punted the ball. So with that play call on third down, which it didn't look like that was the play call. It looked like Stafford kind of improvised when he was directing Van Jefferson into the end zone. Shout out to Van Jefferson, by the way. Shout out to his wife. Blessings for their family. Uh, Champ Curtis Jefferson. Congrats to them. But uh, going back to my original point, um, if that play would have been successful, it would have been a Rams touchdown. And since it was not, it was an interception. But ultimately, it was the exact same result had they got a short gain and not enough for a first down or an incompletion and then just opted to punt it to the Bengals. So that really wasn't like a costly interception. That's my whole underlying point. And then on top of that, the second interception, that was absolutely not Matthew Stafford's fault at all. He threw the ball into Ben Skoranek's hands who has obviously gotten a lot of hate uh, for that moment and a drop pass against the 49ers in the previous game in the NFC Championship game. And it literally just somehow went right off of Skoranek's hands and into the uh, hands of the Bengals defender. So that absolutely was not Stafford's fault. And last night I was watching the mic'd up for the whole game that the NFL did, which had exceptional quality. It 
provided a view, a very unique view into the matchup, into the players. I loved how humble Joe Burrow was introducing himself to Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Eric Weddle. The speech that Eric Weddle gave Odell Beckham Jr. was, uh, it honestly gave me goosebumps, especially watching it after the fact, after the game, knowing that OBJ retore his ACL in that game, how Eric Weddle was telling him, telling him to give it his all, play every down like it's your last down. I'm just so happy for this team. I'm a diehard Rams fan. And even though the Super Bowl was a few weeks ago or, you know, about a week ago, um, it's just I, I felt like I had to start off this episode by talking about that. And congrats to the Rams. I mean, as a diehard Rams fan, it's it's fucking amazing. And looking forward to the repeat. Hopefully we can run it back with OBJ, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Sean McVay. And by the way, that whole that whole narrative that Sean McVay might leave the Rams, uh, you know, for 15 million a year for some kind of tv job or analyst that's nonsense he's not going anywhere his wife has already confirmed that but with that said let's switch gears to something else let's switch gears to something more current college basketball for the second straight week gonzaga remains the top team in men's college basketball the bulldogs earned all 61 first place votes by the associated press to stay ahead of arizona and third ranked auburn with purdue and kansas rounding out the top five they're followed by Kentucky, Duke, Villanova, Texas Tech, Baylor, Providence, UCLA, Wisconsin, Houston, Illinois, USC, Tennessee, Arkansas, Murray State, Texas, Connecticut, Ohio State, St. Mary's, Alabama, and Iowa. Road losses by Auburn, who lost to Florida, and Kentucky, who lost to Tennessee, created the biggest ripple at the top of the poll this week. Tyree Appleby scored 26 points, and Colin Castleton added 19 points and 8 rebounds to lead Florida to a one-point win, a shocking upset over Auburn giving Bruce Pearl's team their second loss in as many weeks. And he said, quote, we just didn't play well enough to win tonight. Give Florida some credit. They made some really big shots at the end. Our kids really battled, and I thought we played hard defensively, but we struggled on the offensive end. Tennessee turned in a dominant performance on its home court with four players in double figures to lead the Vols to a 76-63 win over Kentucky. Santiago Vescovi scored a team-high 18 points, and the Vols' defense locked in to hold Kentucky to only 34.3% shooting. Quote, Tennessee needed it, needed it more. They wanted it more. Kentucky coach John Kelly Perry told reporters, I'm not sure. There might be a little bit of um, a little bit of kind of a, a little bit of a slight there from Kelly Perry saying they needed it more, perhaps implying that Kentucky is a better team. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But Kelly Perry continued saying, quote, they banged us around. You've got to own your performance. Can't let anybody alibi. We got manhandled. It was a revenge game. So Calipari keeps it real. That is the latest college basketball a people and let's switch gears to some soccer soccer is not something talked about extensively on this show since american sports are dominated by basketball football and baseball but we got some soccer psg star neymar said monday that he would like to come to the united states and play in the mls one day during a podcast appearance neymar suggested that while a return to play in his native brazil may not be in the cards a move to the united states could be saying quote i don't know i have some doubts about that i don't know if i'll play in brazil again i'd love to play in the u.s actually i'd love to play there at least for a season neymar expanded on his desire to play in the u.s by saying that since the mls season is shorter than the european season he would get three months vacation so neymar is keeping it honest on why he would like to play in mls Obviously, a lot of former European stars, former international stars played in the MLS. David Beckham, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Robbie Keane, uh, Kaka, Douglas Costa just signed with the Galaxy. Steven Gerrard was on the Galaxy. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Alexander uh, Vela, really a lot 
Chicharito on the Galaxy. It just the list just goes on and on on how many former um, top international soccer stars have played in the MLS. Neymar expanded on. Um, the 30-year-old Neymar is under contract with PSG until June 2025, meaning he will be 33 when he becomes a free agent, assuming he doesn't get sold anywhere. When asked about when he plans on retiring, the dynamic forward said, quote, I joke with my friends that I will retire when I'm 32, but it's just a joke. I don't know. Honestly, I will play until I'm mentally tired. If my mental health is okay and my body as well, physically, I think it'll still last a few years, but my mental health is the most important thing. Neymar has made his professional debut at only the age of 17 and has accomplished a huge amount since then. He notably spent four seasons with FC Barcelona from 2013 through 17 before making the move to PSG, which is where he has spent the past five seasons. It's really hard to believe that he's been with PSG for five seasons. Time really does fly. He won two La Liga titles and a UEFA Champions League title with Barca. And so far at PSG, he has won three League One titles, although they are still in search of that coveted Champions League triumph at the club. Across all competitions, Neymar has scored 333 goals for Santos, Barcelona, and PSG over the course of 14 seasons. He also scored 70 times in 116 appearances for the Brazilian senior national team. Plus, he helped lead Brazil to a silver medal at the 2012 Summer Olympics and a gold medal at the 2016 Summer Games in Rio. So Neymar is one of the greats at this point. And um, yeah, let's talk about the All-Star game. The Team LeBron dynasty continues. Team LeBron defeated Team Durant 163-160 to at the 2022 NBA All-Star Game on Sunday at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland. LeBron James is now 5-0, undefeated as a captain in the All-Star Game since the format changed to two captains selecting their teams from a player pool. The King can thank Stephen Curry for the latest victory as the Golden State Warriors guard put on an absolute show going for 50 points behind 16 made threes for the game's MVP. Still, fittingly, it was LeBron who hit the game winner in Cleveland. James's team defeated Kevin Durant's squad last year as well. The King also has two victories over Giannis Antetokounmpo as the captain and one over Steph Curry in previous editions of the All-Star Game when the Milwaukee Bucks and Warriors stars were captains. Giannis had 30 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals. LeBron with 24 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, and 3 steals. Joel Embiid was the scoring leader for Team Durant with 36 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists. Devin Booker helped out with 20 points as well. So Team LeBron gets the victory over Team Durant. Transitioning to some football. Very interesting developments here. The XFL announced on Monday that it has entered into a partnership agreement with the NFL that will see the XFL test out potential NFL rule changes and player safety measures. According to ESPN, former Buffalo Bills and current XFL president Russ Brandon said the following regarding the relationship between the league, saying, quote, People would ask, what are the opportunities to look at the game through a different lens from a player development standpoint? How can you be an incubator or an accelerant in many different verticals from officiating to rules innovations to playing surfaces to player development? You can go on and on. Any opportunity that the NFL has to advance the game of football, I think they've always been open to. And we've had some really good dialogue led by our ownership group. Honestly, love to see it. I love to see it personally. Even though when I saw the headline, this is not exactly what I had anticipated when they were talking about a partnership. I think this is still great. I think this is much, much better uh, than the NFL just squashing the XFL, just kind of stomping on them and kind of doing everything that doing everything they can to make sure that the XFL wouldn't find any success. I think them partnering and kind of the NFL taking the XFL under their wing is great. It's honestly great. The XFL is owned by WWE legend and Hollywood star Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Danny Garcia, and Redbird Capital Partners. They're set to relaunch in February 2023. 
In what was a precursor to the announcement of the XFL-NFL partnership, The Rock appeared on the field at SoFi Stadium prior to Super Bowl 56 against the Los, between the Los Angeles Rams and Cincinnati Bengals just over a week ago. As he did so very often during his uh, time as a WWE superstar, Johnson pumped up the crowd with a fiery and passionate speech. While the XFL and NFL will be working together in, in certain areas moving forward, Garcia made it clear that there is no goal or intention to make the XFL a, develop, a, a developmental league for the NFL. Uh, and I don't know if that's good. I mean, if I was the XFL, I would consider that for a time being, for, for a you know predetermined dura time, duration of time. And then you could kind of branch off and be your own league. But I feel like if they really go head to head with the NFL and try to compete with them, unless they have some kind of crazy format or there's some kind of huge intrigue that draws people away from the NFL, um, I think the XFL would just sink as it always has. But, you know, that's their decision to make. I'm not the business owner here. I'm just a guy that talks. Regarding the XFL possibly possibly becoming a minor league system or of sorts for the NFL, like NFL Europe once was, Garcia said, quote, that's a no. We are a spring league. We will play at the highest level in the spring. There is not the anticipation of any player sharing that change, sharing that changes the dynamic. That's not how we're executing our vision. The XFL has been in search of a strategic partnership since they were purchased by Johnson, Garcia, and Redbird Capital Partners in 2020. At one point, the XFL and CFL, Canadian Football League, held discussions about working together in some way, but things were ultimately tabled and no deal was reached. Um, so that's the latest. Hopefully the XFL can coexist and um, just things won't get all crazy. Switching gears to the NBA, the rich just keep on getting richer. Veteran point guard Goran Dragic has agreed to a deal with the Brooklyn Knights according to The Athletic. Ahead of the trade deadline, the Toronto Raptors sent Goran Dragic to the San Antonio Spurs in a deal for Thaddeus Young. Woj of ESPN reported his time in San Antonio was not expected to be long with the Spurs likely to buy him out of his remaining contract. Dragic originally landed with the Raptors as part of the Miami Heat signing trade for Kyle Lowry. Many believed his time with Toronto would be a marriage of convenience with the team moving him uh, at a later date. The 35-year-old made only five appearances for the Raptors, averaging eight points and less than two assists a game. He last played in a six-point loss to the Detroit Pistons on November 13th, finishing with 16 points, five rebounds, and three assists. Um, on November 28th, Dragic left the team for a personal matter. So this is just, it's a this is a great move for Brooklyn. I guess the Raptors didn't have much use for Goran Dragic, but I'm just not really sure. Uh, scratch that. This is a great move for Brooklyn. Um, I just feel like maybe Toronto could have tried to get something for him, but Brooklyn Brooklyn's depth is just absolutely insane now Dragic is a former all-star I mean Kevin Durant once he's healthy Ben Simmons that's still still getting used to that but Kevin Durant Ben Simmons um have I done I don't think I've done a podcast since the trade too since the James Harden to to uh Philly trade maybe I have but um what was I saying I was saying that what was I saying oh yeah so Patty Mills uh, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, that team is just so deep. I mean, Goran, Goran Dragic is going to be like deep on the bench and they're still missing Joe Harris. I mean, Seth Curry, uh, who else came? Yeah. I mean, dude, Andre Drummond, the Nets are, are ridiculously deep and they should be the favorites to win the NBA finals on paper. But guess what? 
Games are not played on paper. If they were, the Rams and Bengals would not be the Super Bowl matchup. It would be the Packers and the Titans. Switching, speaking of football, we got more football to talk about. The NFL scouting combine will remove some COVID-19 restrictions and pushback from draft prospects and agents. A memo was sent out revealing those changes per Adam Schefter of ESPN. Jordan Dejani of CBS Sports summarized some of the previous plans, which reads, quote, The bubble restrictions include prospects being allowed just one medical support person who must be fully vaccinated. The memo also states that players will be restricted to secure combine venues during their entire time in Indy and that players who violate these policies will be disqualified and sent home. So obviously taken very seriously. Ian Rappaport tweets, quote, agents representing more than 150 draft prospects are organizing a boycott of all testing, on-field workouts, and interviews at next month's NFL scouting combine if heavy, quote, bubble restrictions are not changed, sources tell me. So I guess the NFL realized that and changed their tune. Tom Pelosero responded saying, quote, unless the NFL and the combine agreed to ease those restrictions, allowing players access to their full team of coaches, trainers, ATCs, etc. As in past years, most top prospects will now only do medical evaluations next month in Indianapolis. So that's a huge deal. Uh, I guess they're calling the NFL's bluff. Mike McCartney tweeted, quote, as an agent, I struggle with the combine. Players get optimal nutrition and rest for games. The combine, almost the opposite, improper rest and diet, then tested in a cold, sterile environment. It's part of why guys test better at pro days. And somehow the NFL has now made it worse. <laughs> so just an absolute shit show. Let's switch gears to some college basketball. Juwan Howard. Let's talk about this. The Big Ten Conference announced Monday that University of Michigan men's basketball head coach Juwan Howard has been suspended for the remainder of the season for his role in the skirmish following Sunday's 77-63 loss to Wisconsin. Uh, Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports broke the news earlier Monday. Michigan has five regular season games before the Big Ten tournament. Howard was also fined $40,000. And you might be inclined to say that's not a lot for someone like him, but I can't imagine that the salary for being head coach at Michigan is in the millions of dollars. I mean, it is definitely high, but $40,000 for Juwan Howard is not the same as $40,000 for LeBron James or Kevin Durant. Michigan forwards Terrence Williams II and Musa Diabate were each suspended one game for their roles in the altercation, as was Wisconsin guard Jacoby Neath. Wisconsin head coach Greg Gard was not suspended, but he was fined $10,000 as well. (laughs) And the NCAA collecting money any way they can. Badgers director of athletics Chris McIntosh said in a statement that the school would cover the fine as he views it as a Wisconsin fine and not a Greg Gard fine. Oh, wow. That's very spicy right there. Calling out the NCAA for um, kind of stigmatizing the University of Wisconsin. That's that's some balls right there. Badgers assistant Joe Krabenhoft was not disciplined. So Jawan Howard and Gard started yelling at each other in the handshake line before players and assistants came to separate them. It was then that Howard reached the cross and physically struck Krabenhoft. Everyone's saying he like threw a right hand. I I saw it on SportsCenter in slow-mo. Yes, okay. Yes, he visibly threw a strike at Krabenhoft. But the, the result of the aforementioned attempted strike was like an open like a open palm slap that didn't even hit the guy's face i mean correct me if i'm wrong which i know i'm not shout out to jimmy and jordan kamada in in uh in hollywood the ninjas but what the, what the fuck am i saying let's get back to this 
it like i don't know i understand the suspension i understand that there's no tolerance for this kind of behavior i understand all that but with how fucking soft sports everything but specifically sports and even more specifically basketball have gotten in recent years it's honestly great to see something like this and i know that this is an extremely unpopular opinion um but heat in the moment john howard probably has a bit of a short fuse you know he tried to throw a right hand it didn't land it wasn't even a punch it was like an open open palm slap that hit the guy's shoulder so uh a much bigger deal was made out of this than i think should have been but that's just me uh, the Associated Press noted Wisconsin called a timeout with 15 seconds left despite having a healthy lead, which angered Howard. And honestly, that would piss me off. Like, if you're up more than 10, if you're up, like, 13 or whatever it was, and and you and you call a timeout with 15 seconds left, that's just stupid. Like, it's just dumb. It really is. The Big Ten released a statement in the aftermath indicating it was, quote, aware of a physical altercation involving Howard and was, quote, in contact with both member institutions and is currently assessing the incident. Um, quote, I didn't like the timeout being called to be totally honest. Howard said in his postgame press conference, I thought it was not necessary at the moment, especially being a large lead. And I totally agree with that. Howard apologized Monday for his unacceptable actions and words. Of course he did. I mean, he was forced into it. McIntosh said some members of his team staff were affected and injured. That's some bullshit. I mean, if you look at that skirmish, nobody suffered any injuries in that. Uh, it's just, that's, it's nonsense. Uh, McIntosh also said he contacted Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren and added, quote, there's no room, no space for conduct like that in any competition, much less a Big Ten competition. The Big Ten takes pride in sportsmanship. The Big Ten takes pride in acting with class. That didn't happen today. Well, I mean, whatever. <laughs> on court, let's talk about the on court uh, situation. The Badgers improved to 21 and 5 overall and 12 and 4 in conference play. With the win, all five Wisconsin starters scored in double figures, including Johnny Davis, who led the way with 25 points and six boards. Hunter Dickinson's 21 points were not enough for the Wolverines, who are firmly on the NCAA tournament bubble heading into the season stretch run after the latest loss dropped them to 14 and 11 overall and only 8 and 7 in Big Ten uh, conference play. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what the fuck is going on with this guy. He's an amazing football player. He was a great Jeopardy host. I agree with him on a lot of stances, but it seems like he's a nut. <laughs> Let's talk about it. It's unclear what the future holds for Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, but the reigning MVP thanked his teammates Monday for their hard work th during the 2021 season. And today he also said there would be no decision on his future. And he, d he did some kind of weird, uh, ritualistic, whatever, like, I don't even know what it was. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it was some kind of cleanse that he was on which included some uh, sensitive areas of the body. Let's just put it that way. But Rogers told former Indianapolis Colts punter Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee show that, quote, everything is on the table for his football career, whether it be returning to Green Bay, playing for another team, or retiring. So quite frankly, Aaron Rodgers does not know what the fuck he's going to do. And anybody that tries to speculate on this is a fucking idiot. Because if Rodgers himself doesn't know what he's going to do, and there's not only two options, but there's three uh, good luck figuring this guy out. Since the Packers lost to the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional round of the playoffs, there have been numerous rumors about Rodgers' next step. The veteran quarterback also told McAfee last month that he would consider announcing a decision on, on his future on his show, where he is a frequent guest. Then came the rumors earlier this month when ESPN's Jared Stillman reported Rodgers was building a home in Tennessee and would be, quote, open to joining the Titans in 2022. However, um... 
However, ESPN later reported the Titans don't consider Rodgers to be an option for them next season and are planning to stick with Ryan Tannehill. Now, if they're choosing Ryan Tannehill over Aaron fucking Rodgers, then they are so stupid. They are stupid to a level that I can't even describe. I can't even fathom. But if it's a situation where they just don't believe that Rodgers would be interested in joining the Tennessee Titans, because quite frankly, who the fuck would be interested in joining the Tennessee Titans voluntarily? then that's a different story. Um, Ian Rappaport reported last week that the Packers were willing to offer Rodgers a contract extension to make him the league's highest paid quarterback. So it's looking very, it's very clear to me that whatever beef Rodgers might still have with the Packers is very one-sided. The Packers want him to stay. They're willing to pay him. So I don't really see what his deal is. I think he just likes the drama and the attention. That's just uh, my personal, that's just my personal, um, belief but let's talk about some baseball though most around mlb had expected free agent first baseman freddie freeman to return to the atlanta braves this offseason espn's buster only reported quote the the industry view has shifted there has been reported quote standoff in negotiations with freeman seeking a six-year deal with the braves uh while the braves offered 135 million over five years it could cause the 32 year old to land somewhere outside of atlanta which braves fans would hate I think the Braves will move quickly to settle on an alternative and move on to get past the conversation, an official told only. Teams are unable to sign free agents during the current lockout, but both sides could seek new options when the offseason resumes. Freeman helped win the Braves their first World Series title since 1995 last season, hitting two home runs with a 318 batting average in the series win over the Houston Astros. Thank God they beat those cheating scumbags. It came off after a very strong 2021 season where he hit 331 home runs and a league-best 120 runs scored, earning his fifth All-Star appearance in the process. In 2020, he won the National League MVP award, that's how good this guy is, with his career-best 341 batting average and 1.102 OPS. Even 12 seasons into his Major League career, Freddie Freeman can still make a significant impact on the field. And if the Braves are not willing to pay... uh, to pay Freddie Freeman, then I could totally see him uh, jumping ship. Um, but yeah, let's talk about one more. Let's we'll get let's get one more story in before we call it a day. Ben Simmons is reportedly nearing his Brooklyn Nets debut. Ramona Shelburne of ESPN said Monday that this, that Simmons will quote really ramp it up after the All Star break with a plan on making his team debut soon then sooner than later. Quote, Ben Simmons, from what I'm told, is going to really ramp it up this week and see where he's at at the end of the week. But he's getting close. It's going to be more like weeks rather than months. Thank, I mean, hopefully it's not months, <laughs> Shelburne said on NBA Today. Simmons is yet to play this season since requesting a trade from the field FA 76ers that he finally got. The Ben Simmons soap opera is almost over. It's not quite over. I, I think pigs will fly the day that, the, that Ben Simmons will not be in sports news. But it's looking like he's getting close. AJ Styles resigns with WWE Champions League. There will be another podcast episode sooner rather than later. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you guys on number 385. And with that, I'm out.